Welcome to Confessions of a Terrible Leader, where real leaders share the raw truth about the lessons they learned the hard way so you don't have to. Join our host, Lacey Nelson, founder of Transcend Leadership Collective and former terrible leader. Every leader can become worthy of being followed if they are willing to put in the work. On this podcast, we share the messy stories and behind-the-scenes reality of what the work actually entails. We welcome you to this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. Hello, and welcome back to Confessions of a Terrible Leader. We have a fun guest with us here today. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you should after after this conversation. Uh, his content is definitely entertaining and educational. And Nate Scott, welcome to the show. Thank oh, you for thanks being for having me. Yeah. It's good so, to see you again. I haven't seen you since the last time you visited Wisconsin. So I know it's been a while. It's been, it's been a while, a- yeah. You do comment on my ridiculous workouts I post now and then, and I, I appreciate it. So I don't know how you do it. I, I, <laughs> I think you I don't do. Know. <laughs> Anytime anyone says anything about burpees, I'm like, all right, there's a door. I'm leaving. So I'm, yeah, I'm they're yeah, they're not my favorite, but I will do them when they're ri- when they're uh, prescribed. So That's Nate, if you figured out Nate is a personal trainer, but he is more than than personal training in the traditional way we might think about it. He owns. Fuel. He's the owner and the founder of Fuel Inspired, which is in, uh, correct me if I get any of this wrong, Nate, please, but he works with people online primarily. The bulk of his clientele is online, but he also does some contract work with gyms, teaching some strength courses, um, and also some one-to-one, what we think of as more traditional personal training. But a lot of his clientele, the bulk of them are online clientele who you are coaching through strength and conditioning training and nutrition coaching, correct? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually forgot to mention one thing. Um, yeah. I do actually, I just started doing this. It's actually kind of cool. I do a lot of stuff with corporations too, like corporate wellness things. Um, oh, so that's something I'm trying to branch out to a little bit as well. So, you know, trying to have as many, uh, wear as many hats as possible without going insane. For right, the most part. <laughs> right, right. And in the entrepreneurial world, I find we usually put on way too many and then yeah, realize yeah. a little bit too late, but we need to back it off a bit. <laughs> so. That's fair. I'm with you on that. <laughs> so you tell us a little bit about when you founded Fuel Inspired. Like how long have you been doing what you're doing? Uh, well, I've been in the, uh, I'd say myself personally, I've been lifting weights and doing uh, like strength and conditioning probably for 20 years, maybe, maybe a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, uh, kind of part-time training people and then really got serious. I'd say part-time training people like when I was like 26 or 27, um, and then got really serious and got a bunch of different certifications from National Academy of Sports Medicine with nutrition, sports performance, uh, golf fitness, um, corrective exercise specialist. Uh, I'm actually trying to go for their master certification. It's on the, on the radar in the next year or so, which is okay. kind of cool. I never yeah. thought it'd be something I would do. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of different certifications through them. And I started doing that when I was about, I think it was either 33 or 35 after working in like whatever job I could pick up that I could, uh, make ends meet for the most part, uh, yeah. whether or not it was sales, outside sales, purchasing, um, 
you know, no like run of the mill, like, you know, I'm just trying to make ends like survive type of thing, but I couldn't find my, my place for the most part. And, um, I always had a hard time with like committing to working in the field that I really loved. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to like work out and then get burnt out by training people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried about that, that I lose some like passion in like my own health by, um, jumping in tra- and trying to train other people. Which yeah. is kind of weird because I've actually been to quite a few gyms and this is part of the reason why I thought that's the first gym I ever worked at is like, I looked at a bunch of the trainers and they just didn't really look or live the part. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to stick with what I'm doing and use the gym as my, as my time. So yeah, but yeah I'd say about in general in, in health and fitness and strength training for about 20 years, uh, doing my own thing for about two and then working for gyms, um, probably about seven to 10. Okay. Okay. So you started Fuel Inspired in 2020. Is that right? Yeah. So that's kind of when the idea hatched in 2020, which, you know, we all remember that year for many different reasons. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's when I discovered how great a rowing machine was. uh, And it was kind of uh, not by choice. So yeah. 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 Uh, I went from working out in a gym to working out at home primarily. And that is what I still do. So yeah, I, I commend yeah. you for that. Honestly, I would have a really hard time knocking out like full sessions at home, like rowing and kettlebell stuff was as much as I could do. And it was just like, I need to get back in the gym. So it's good for yeah. my brain. I do miss I do miss the social aspect of it for sure. But oh, I'm sure. in a workout community that helps me with that. So oh, that's good. Yeah. I want to know, I want to know, uh, you said, I want to hit on something that, that you kind of just glossed over. You said you were afraid to dive in with both feet because you essentially didn't want fitness to kind of lose its magic for you and to lose the, the, the ability to be your place where you could just shut off, dig in. It was a place of respite, just almost, this might sound a little cheesy, but I think if people, that people are into, you know, fitness as well, listening to this almost kind of like a sacred place where you could just breathe and get in, get in your head or get out of your head, depending on what you needed that day. Um, Mm -hmm. and what motivated you to go, you know, I think I'm, I, I want to try what switched. Well, um, I'll start, we'll kind of do like a little Quentin Tarantino and start at the back and go to the front. Okay. Um, So to this day, um, like recently, um, all my business is virtual for the most part. I'd say a huge part of it and I'm always on my phone. So the first thing I do when I go to the gym is I go do not disturb. And I still treat the gym like my time uh, as like, you know, like, like you said, like a sacred place and a place that I find that can better me physically and mentally and like create something. Because every single day when you go to the gym, you can, you can do something you didn't do before, Um, no matter where you go or no matter where you're at in your fitness journey, you can Um, so I guess what, um, what kind of turned me off of doing that initially is when I first started working for a gym, um, I saw how the owners were and a lot of other trainers and things like that. And it just became like this thing where they were like, they didn't have time to work out and they didn't care to, and they just started, it was very cynical. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is that? Like, I don't want to become that. And the more I worked in the companies I worked for, um, the more things kind of opened up to me. And it was people that cared about health and wellness um, and kind of the luster was taken away from them because they couldn't control their own culture within their own clientele. Mm. So they kind of had to follow like standards of someone that potentially, I mean, I don't want to 
throw him in under the bus, but you probably should bring this guy, his confession as a terrible leader on. <laughs> um, but even though he hasn't changed his ways, we'll just, we'll just keep it at that. So uh, basically you had, you couldn't control your own culture. You would yeah. go into a gym and you'd just be handed off clients that wouldn't necessarily suit your, um, your needs and things like that. I wouldn't say needs, but like your like education and your specialty. That's um, it. And I saw that when I was working at gyms or working out just consistently where like trainers just looked like they were run down. And when I used to work in sales, I would leave work and I would go right to the gym and I'd feel great when I left. And I'd see these trainers that were just like at these gyms, just not doing anything, not excited to help people. I'm like, I don't want that. Right. Um, so one day I was working in purchasing and I went to a gym. One of my buddies like invited me to come work out with him. I walked into this gym, like it's a pretty nice gym. I like the facility. I'm like, what do I got to do? Like, what do I have to do to become a personal trainer? I'm like, I really want to get out of purchasing. I want to do something I actually, I actually enjoy. And he goes, dude, that sounds awesome. You'd be a great personal trainer. I'm like, okay, well, help me. So started taking some tests and things like that. And, you know, got my certification for a CPT, um, built up a huge clientele really fast. Cause I just like, I work like when I have something in mind, like I build it. And next thing you know, I'm like walking away from purchasing and I'm like, I'm controlling my own clientele and I'm still working out and I'm still enjoying it. And the things that have kind of kept me from feeling stale in it was the things that I think that other trainers weren't held accountable to do. Um, and that was to constantly either vary their approach with clients, develop a very like broad spectrum of what they can do, and then continue to learn. Um, I will say this from a perspective of someone that work, has worked in facilities for probably close to a decade. Um, it is crazy when you look on a, a, um, a gym's website and they list all these trainers and they list all their certifications and things like that. But I would challenge anyone that goes into a gym that signs up with a trainer because of their, their certifications and because of their education to ask them when the last time they renewed their certification or had CEUs that they actually applied towards what they're doing. So that's what kept me like motivated was learning more and becoming like more uh, like versatile and being able to train anyone and thinking that I could walk in any gym in America and be successful and just have that confident mindset. So I always have this like with myself, with fitness, with like, the actual physical aspect that I have this like fire that I have to constantly try to improve or do something, um, yeah. whether or not it's go for a walk that day or, you know, go for a run or lift heavy weights or do yoga. Like I always have to do something cause I feel like that just is good for my brain. And by adding education and things like that, it kept everything really fresh. Mm -hmm. um, and then during the pandemic, that was when I really was like, I could do this and I can control my culture and yeah. really make sure that every person feels valued. So it started with everything shutting down and then me reaching out to people and saying, hey, how would you like to do some virtual training and follow a program that I create with the days we don't train? And they're like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So at that point in time, I started building uh, like programs through an app I use called True Coach. Just I have uh -huh. probably have 300 programs that I've created. I and am. I can apply that. to Yeah, you've used True Coach, I'm sure. Yeah. I am friends with the founder. So, well. Oh, really? I shouldn't, awesome. say, yeah. I shouldn't say friends. I am business associates before with, well, they sold it, but before they built it up and sold it, I yeah. knew them. So yeah. I've been using True Coach since actually when I used to work at Razor at the gym that I worked at. Um, I actually would um, with clients who are really committed, I would on my own like dime, I'd make programs for them. Yeah. And assign them to them. Because I'm like, yeah. I want to make sure that you stay active. So you, you'd be at the gym at some time at night. And I'd be working with a client and you'd see four or five of my other clients working out on their own following yeah. a program that I was working with. Yeah. And then no, no other trainers in the gym at all. And I'm like, 
okay, well, you know, you just got to try to keep everyone moving, keep everyone committed. Yeah. And that's, like I said, during the pandemic, I'm like, I can control my own culture. I can build yep. like my own business and yeah. keep everyone in line. And I had no issues in regards to like, um, feeling motivated because like these, this is my team. I'm leading them. So if I'm not, if I can't live the part and do what I ask them to do, yeah. then I don't deserve to be in that field. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You have a very high standard for yourself. I do. Of... And it's actually a good and a bad thing. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> most of us, most of us probably could, could uh, say the same thing. Learning yeah. how to use it for the power of good, including in, uh, towards ourselves is definitely yeah. part of the journey of being an entrepreneur. Very, so very true. Yeah. You have a lot of influence. I mean, one of the things that I'm always impressed with about anyone who has an online business is the amount of work that it takes to get people to follow and want to listen to what you have to say. Um, mm -hmm. You're an unknown quantity, right? It's just scroll, scroll, scroll. And then something about the way that you are connecting with people works for them and, and yeah. they get drawn in. So what do you, how do you figure out your strategy or how, what, what goes on in your head when you're like thinking about building your culture virtually? What does mm -hmm. that, what does that look like for you, that process? So virtually is something I'm still, uh, I'm still figuring out. Um, and cause a lot of the virtual clients I have were referrals from people that were in person, um, and things like that. Okay. But that's a never, like, that's something that like, I think until my business, like until I move on from this, like I will always be learning about the virtual aspect of, of everything oh, yeah. That's um, for sure. <laughs> yep. Um, so like, uh, I would say for me, um, I've always just tried to be myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't change that. And that's one of the things that I will say working for other companies, I yeah. try to like kind of fit in, um, mm. versus like just really just be myself and lead. Yeah. And, um, one of the things I always try to do that I feel like really works is if it's a local business, I try to partner with like someone that's really involved in the community and celebrates their client victories. Cause that's what, that's what keeps people coming back is like yep. your engagement with them. Mm -hmm. And then virtually it's just, honestly, it, it's just a grind. It's just being consistent. Um, and it's putting something out there every couple of days. It's posting something that's uh, you know, maybe shows some vulnerability or, or an aspect of learning or posting something that's like uh, some kind of like uh, like something you're bragging about, so that your clients can be like, you know what, that guy knows what that guy knows what he's doing because he's doing it type of thing. Right. Or right. even reaching out to other guys that are like very big in the fitness industry and trying to build a relationship with guys that have you know hundred thousand plus followers, and yeah. if they don't respond to the first message, just keep messaging them. Yeah. Um, I used to do, and when I was in outside sales, I used to work in cold calling, and nothing will ever be worse than that. So if you know you you reach out to a guy and you comment on a story that's someone that's really good at building things and kind of keeping things moving, yeah. Um, you know, without like being too insincere, you just have to be uh, really kind of just like humble and be like, "Hey, dude, I really like what you're doing. You know, thanks for being like a big part of the fitness industry and yeah. a part of the way like I see like what I want to have like in, in, as far as vision of good." Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the whole virtual thing is just it's really weird. It's just consistent. It's trying to like understand trends, but not like sacrifice your moral code. Yes. Um, but yes. just being like super consistent with posting and like, uh, you know, just being involved with other communities and other influencers and, and things like that. So I will never consider myself an influencer. I don't care if I have a million followers. I don't care. <laughs> um, like my, my, uh, about if, that. 
if it ever gets to that point, I like literally will hire someone to do everything for me on social media and I will like go live in a hole somewhere and be like, okay. hi, you, you know, strong feelings about that. <laughs> social media is not, it's a, it's a, it's a necessary evil in the fitness industry, unfortunately. Yeah. So, Oh, I think now it's almost any industry these days, even like people just bring right. bugs at their house, you know, like they have to have an online presence in order uh-huh. to be even register in people's on people's radar screens. So yeah. Some of the posts that I love of yours, of course, I love your, you know, the, it's fun to watch, you know, your documentation of your mullet growing out. One year, I haven't cut it for a year. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Fun to no. watch the um, <laughs> documentation of your dogs. You have three rescue dogs. I do. And, I do. Yeah. You've got what kind of, they're Boston, all three are Boston Terriers, right? Yep. Uh, one is a, he's 10 year old little guy. His name's Buster. He was a rescue. Actually, I discovered him when I was in Seattle uh, or when I was in Washington visiting Mary, like when she lived out there, which is super yeah. weird. Um, and I reached out to the rescue organization when I was out there and they're like, oh yeah, he's not out here anymore. We shipped him back or the rescue organization picked him up from the Midwest. I'm like, oh, we're in the Midwest, right? Gurney, Illinois. I'm like, <laughs> what? That's like 15 minutes from where I live. So I flew back home and I, I got off the phone, uh, off the plane from Seattle and went down to a McDonald's, met a lady and bought him right oh off the plane. Gosh. So anyway, so Buster is, you know, he's a, he's my miracle baby. Um, yeah. and then the other two are sisters, uh, but like blood sisters, not litter mates. Okay. And I rescued one, um, from one of my friends who lives on Minnesota, who's a foster mom after I had one puppy that passed and she's mm-hmm. like, she reached out to me. She goes, Hey, if you know, if, if you see any of the dogs that I have, like, we'll talk to my organization about doing out of state adoption. I'm like, perfect. Cause she knows I'm a good dog dad, creepy yeah. dog dad, but a good one. Um, <laughs> so like, she, she reaches out and she goes, Hey, I found a little Brown Boston Terrier. What do you think? I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted. So, uh, wait, a, you know, it was during, during the pandemic era. So like dog like stuff for the vets took forever to get anything squared yes. away. So it took her like six months to get spayed and all this other stuff. So anyway, drive to Minnesota, pick her up, rescue her, bring her home. Uh, a year and a half later, uh, my friend reached out to me and says, you're not going to believe who we found. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And she goes, uh, from the same location that Sylvie was at, we yeah. found like either her, like it's, it's her blood. We don't know if it's like a litter mate or, or if it's her younger sister or if Sylvia was her mom, like something. Yeah. So she sends me a picture of her. I'm like, Oh my God, it looks exactly like her. Yeah. So I can't have three dogs at my apartment. So I went anyway and bought her. Didn't care. <laughs> I'm like, I'll figure this one out. They look yeah. exactly like, so I just walked them separately and no one ever knew. But then yeah. I'm like, I'm going to do this right. So I actually made one of the dogs an emotional support animal because you know, we all need dogs uh, in life. I believe that. Um, and emotional support. Um, and now they, you know, no one can really say anything. I bring her with me anywhere she wants. So yeah, oh, it was gosh. crazy. Like a year and a half needle, a needle in a haystack later, they're like, hey, here's your sister. Do you want to adopt her too? I'm like, of course I do. So yeah. It's a pretty great picture, yeah. I would say that's that's questionable. Like two days ago, they were fighting in the dog park, and I had to separate them. So, oh my gosh! uh, So one, you know, oh my god, even no idea. They're wild too, like wild bananas. Yeah, yeah. If I don't walk them two miles a day, it's like, yeah, I walk my mastiff boxer mix two miles a day, and he's done for three days. He's like, peace out. That's nice. I could walk I, these guys two miles a day four times and they'd still be like, hey. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, it sounds like 
a good energy match for you. So I would I would agree. Yeah, they're they're you know they're a little type A and they need a lot of attention. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That's the kind of <laughs> vulnerable, personal, fun stuff that you also you know share that I think draws people in. And we all are learning this this balance of finding this presence online that is authentically us and. Yeah, the dance. I don't think any of us have it figured out, but we're all trying to figure it out in this entrepreneurial space. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Oh, what? I'm going to launch into the juicy stuff now. Like, oh, thinking right. a little bit. I know. Here we go. Thinking about uh, you clearly are on a leadership trajectory. Um, always identified, I think, as a leader, whether you maybe not identified, but always have had some of those internal characteristics that are common threads among leadership um the the looking at something and going oh i don't like that i'm not going to do that (laughs) probably probably um i'm guessing you may have not been the easiest person to manage as a bot like spot on with that yeah mm -hmm, yep that's common trait um good uh, good mark of a future entrepreneur so my question for you in your trajectory over the last few years that's got you to where you are now yeah what is one of the big missteps or mistakes that you look back on now and you're like oh man okay i did this really dumb thing but don't do this yeah i mean it's so i thought about this a little bit and there's a lot of um like Dumb ones that, you know, guys are age 20 to 25 do at work and it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. We won't go into those though. Um, one thing that I, that always will stand out to me is when I first got into leadership role, like no one really uh, told me about how hard, like crucial conversations are. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say that for the first few years I was uh, in leadership in, in a sales company that I worked at, it was... Uh, challenging for me to have a conversation that was tough with an employee without becoming like emotional about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that that's a bad thing. I think it's good to have like emotions and care, but sometimes, and this ties into kind of how I was, what I was mentioning earlier, like you got to control your culture. Um, yeah. And when you are trying to hold someone accountable for not necessarily a plan that you made, but for someone else, it's hard to separate like what's actually important to you mm-hmm. and, and your moral code or what are you doing with your, with your job. Yeah. So I think that for me, the biggest thing was like not laying out conversations that are important and like crucial and like kind of tough to have, um, not laying them out like in an outline format and taking emotion out of the scenario and just going through it and asking them if they have any questions, getting their feedback. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, is one of the things that I actually picked up on really quickly in the, in the workplace was, um, you know, as a male, you're, you should not have a tough conversation with a female alone, like Mm -hmm. always have someone else in the room with you to make sure that you have like this even aspect of, uh, of, I I would say like, um, like an even approach to a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I learned that pretty quickly. I used to bring in, uh, other managers with me, like females, um, Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with another female employee, just to make sure that they, the female employee knew that they were being heard. Uh, mm-hmm. But that didn't happen right away. It was still like this, like, you need to do this, and I don't care what your answer is type of thing. Right, right. Um, and it took me a little bit to kind of learn that. Um, and I'm, again, trying to filter myself a little bit, but um, yeah. what do they say? You catch more uh, bees with honey than poop. Is that the term? And I use poop and not the other words. So, yeah. 
you use you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar i think that's it something like that so anyway i learned to use more honey than, than vinegar after a while so yes um, but yeah in general it's uh and honestly like and this is going to sound crazy. I learned more from my retail sales job than I did when I was going to school for my business administration degree. Oh my gosh. Um, sales isn't is even close. Man. And it's the real yeah. deal. When your sales yeah. pressures are high, the outcomes mm -hmm. are explicit, what you're, what's expected of you. And there's a certain culture to sales where, where you're dealing with a lot of big personalities and people with big emotions. And egos yep. often also for sure, yeah, um, is what I've seen perhaps in some sales departments and yeah, just a couple, yeah. Just, but when harnessed, I mean, it can be it can be amazing, right? It's yeah. just that you gotta have the right leadership. So, was your when you said it was hard for you, you would you would bring too much emotion into a hard conversation. Was the emotion like was it was you were you dysregulated like your central nervous system? You just were feeling super unsure or was was it stemming from the dissonance that you spoke to a little bit of having to enforce or talk about things that were not your edict coming down but were coming down from above the glory of middle management that you maybe didn't even have any buy-in or part of forming and then it, were they like were they in were they in contrast to your to your core values or your moral code? Were they misaligned? I would say so. Um, and, and the reason why I say this is because I was very different than a lot of the other people at that job. Mm -hmm. um, I was very disciplined. I was very regimented with stuff I did outside of work. You know, there's this culture with like the restaurants and retail where when you leave work, you're going to the bar. Right. Um, and same with restaurants. When you get done with your shift at a restaurant, you, you go drink at the bar that you're working at. So like, I always kind of, March my different path. And mm -hmm. I thought I always, you know, my dad taught me this, like to think a few steps ahead, you know, yeah. playing pool or playing hockey or whatever, like just try to think ahead of the competition. And, um, you know, you don't ever want to be on your heels. So when I would, when things would come down from like the, like leadership or management and things like that, um, like everyone else is just corporate, like they just wanted to make money so they could go and buy cigarettes and drink and, you know, do whatever they're looking to do. And like, I wanted to live my life and I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to enjoy and feel good about what I did every single day when I left. And some of the things that, like I said, they just didn't align right. Mm -hmm. So I would have a hard time with people approaching me and ask me to do something because then I would think about like, how does it affect my job? Mm -hmm. Like my, my, my happiness, how would, how would it affect the company and how right. would it affect the, the client? And like, if I couldn't answer that, it's going to affect all three of those aspects of anything. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, well, you have to, this is the company initiative. I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah. So those were always fun conversations, but yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, 100%. It actually tied into some of these things where it's like the emotional aspect of like, uh, coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess for me thinking back on it, what I should have done has been, or figured out how to challenge upward respectfully a little bit more and kind of find out maybe the, yeah. uh, the root of why they were going after something. But yeah. when you're younger and you're just figuring it out, you kind yeah. of just like, you're yeah. like, no, no. Yeah. And if people don't want to follow it, you're like, I don't know why we're following it. We're just following it. Just do it type of thing. Right. So, which is and not exactly what you want to do. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the number one things that we talk about. And I mean, I've been in, I've been in similar situations in my early twenties, like not yeah. all I was doing as a leader and feeling like I'm just, you know, you, well, they said we have to do it. So you have to do it. You know, I think we, 
those of us probably all been at that point, some point in our leadership trajectory of managing other people and learning how to upward manage so that grabbing that information or going to my boss and saying, um, I really am having a hard time understanding why we're doing this and buying in. I'm not trying to make your life difficult. I'm trying to be able to be an authentic leader here. I didn't have all that language, but man, would it have served me well if I did. So yeah, I agree hundred percent. It's, it's, yeah. uh, one of those things that, you know, you figure it out eventually and hopefully you actually figure it out and just don't keep like banging your head against the wall until like you literally have no one that believes in anything you say anymore. Mm. Um, I think that some people like, you know, you, you either figure out how to manage or, or talk to people in like a way that they feel respected or you just burn bridge after bridge after bridge. I've known plenty of guys that have gone from just sales jobs and they're good at sales. Right. But they go from sales to sales to sales to sales and it doesn't matter where they're at. They make money, but it's like the same thing. They just can't, they, they haven't figured it out yet, which is unfortunate. So, yeah. So you're, so how that formed you, that experience mm -hmm. and, and how you move through the world today. What I, I, of course, have things I see, but I don't want my perspective. I want yours. What do you see in yourself as how that's formed you? Um, I would say like the biggest thing that I always make sure I do with every single person is I make sure that like they are, whether or not it's a client or it's another business I'm trying to partner with or a corporation or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, like my goal is to make sure that they, um, whatever they, my goal, so my goals aren't theirs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I should say, like, and I'm not going to be like, we're going to do this. Like, I'm following what they want to go after, um, whether or not it's like they want to you know, do a bodybuilding competition or they want to eat right or whatever. Um, so, like, I can kind of formulate my client's culture based around what I do. And my goal is to make sure that everyone has an opinion and can be heard. And then I follow up every single time on anything they ever ask. Mm. Um, because that's one of the things that I had such a hard time with in sales or in any job that I ever was with, including that last gym that I worked at, it was, they would either come out with an initiative and, and do something cool mm -hmm. and then never talk about it again or never follow up on the progress of it. So it'd be like, if I built a program for a client, like, I'm going to add 20 pounds to my bench press. Cool. Here's a program for you. And I never checked in with them. Like mm. what separates that from me or something that you guys can go and print out from the internet, you know? Yeah, nothing. Um, so it's, it's it's about like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's like under my clients understand my why and why we're doing certain things. I'm yep. very frank with them as far as like why we're doing these exercises. And I'll tell them, hey, if something doesn't make sense, you reach out to me and I'll explain the benefit on a physiological level yep. or a neurological level of why you need to do this so that it makes sense to you. I'm not just, put, you know, slapping things on a piece of paper here and saying, go work out. Like everything has a, like a, a process and phases and all this other stuff that we work through. And then when I lay something out, I always follow up, like have to. That's one of the things, like I said, that as myself, I can tell you as a leader in my early 20s, like I'd come up with great ideas and they would just kind of, you know, they'd yeah. be great, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the follow-up is a big thing for me and I want to make sure every person has, has a voice and they can, just because I'm their coach doesn't mean I'm, I can't be approachable and I cannot be humbled either. Like challenge me on things. Even if I don't respond to you, I tell people all the time, like stay on me around this time of year. Like if I don't get back to you right away, it's busy. Yeah. It's January. I don't mm -hmm. care if I'm your coach, like hold me accountable for that too. So it makes their time and their investment in their self, like really seem like it's super important to me, which it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing is like, I can't tell you how many people I lost buy-in to like managers or leaders or even coworkers. 
like the moment they come up with something and they do not follow through, my brain's like, nope, you're gone. You don't care. Yep. Yeah. You checked so out. I tried to really like checked out. Yep. Yep. Make that part of my culture. It's part of my business plan. It's part of like everything um, that people know my expectations and I commit to certain expectations with my clients too. And I always follow through on them. Like without I, a doubt, I don't care if I'm sending an email at two in the morning. I'm like, Oh God, I forgot to do it. I'll wake up and I'll do it just yeah. to make sure that it, it's done. So yeah. Yeah. We do yeah. Some I'd say that sets small business owners apart is, uh, if we do what we say we're going to do, we'll stand out far above the rest. And there is so much yep. truth in that to just the power and of I, consistency and follow through. I understand. So like 100% I'm with you on that. Like I had a conversation with my uh, strength class today and uh, a few months ago I had to talk to him about showing up early and you know, make sure you're on time and don't leave early, respect people's space. And I, I said three months, four months later, I said, Hey, I wanted to make sure you guys know that I've seen that all of you guys are on time. I want to make sure that I, I want you to know that I really appreciate that. Um, there's two things with me as a human being that you will always earn my respect is if number one, you work hard when, mm -hmm. when I don't care if you're walking the dogs or if you're making dinner or, or whatever, or working out, like you work hard and you, you care about what you're doing. And then the other thing too, is if you respect other people's time. Mm -hmm. So like you, you work hard, you show good work, that work ethic and you show respect to other people's time. Um, as well as their effort, like those things will always resonate with me. And it me, it's, to me, the biggest thing is like, if you, if you don't follow up on something that you made a goal with someone, it's just, it's, it's tough to really take any kind of like, um, like confidence in that human being to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, the next step is going to be okay. So anyway. Oh, I love that. Oh, this has been such a great conversation. I thanks. thank you for making time today. And those are just, you know, such, such a valuable lesson of making sure that we listen, that we follow through and that if our values yeah. are out of alignment, like get clarity from the person that you're trying to get buy-in with. And if you're oh, in the sure. seat where someone's trying to get buy-in, give them the time and answer the questions, like both sides of the equation. So yep. yeah, I will say that, and this is one more thing really quick into yeah. like, um, like mistakes of the leader. Yeah. Um, I did not, when I was younger, I did not set boundaries very well. Oh, okay. Um, okay. We will make time for this because this is an important yeah. point. Talk about what yep. that means to you. So now it's like, um, and I still have a hard time with it. It's still a work in progress because I always work. Um, so boundaries are something that are not a bad thing. Um, I think they're actually really good. It shows that you, uh, number one, you, you have like gumption and you can't be walked on. And anything that if you're, if you're a leader, like you can't have this like lead with an iron fist type of thing. You just have to have like this confidence that you stay steady with and no matter what you don't waver from. So for me, being better with boundaries um, has been a challenge and it's, it's always been a challenge because I like to make sure people are taken care of. Yeah. But um, now like with the true coach app, um, yeah. if my clients have a workout related question, they message me through the app and I, the whole thing is now I will get back to you within 24 hours. Yep. If it's an emergency, text me. Yep. But before, if I was like, you know, 10, 15 a night, someone's working second shift, they get off and it's, you know, 1230, I see them answer the phone. I'm like on the phone, like trying to help them out. I'm like, manage it the best you can. I'll make sure I take care of the next time, uh, you know, setting boundaries. Um, when I was younger as a personal trainer, I just trusted everyone that they were going to basically, you know, have the moral compass that I had. And um, I learned very quickly that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, so every single person I treat the same. 
with mm-hmm. my onboarding system. So onboarding to me, I was in uh, hiring for a little while when I worked for a okay. sales company. And I learned a lot about equal opportunity or yeah. equal opportunity employer or whatever. I can't remember yeah. the EEOA, I think it is. Yeah. And um, I just, every single person the way I onboard them, I do it exactly the same. So no one's treated yeah. differently. No one has preferential treatment or anything like that. Yep. So equality is important. Yeah. But the boundaries aspect of that is when I send them their, their packets and if they want to start training with me, I'm like, all right, we're going to train in seven days. And they're like, well, what about tomorrow? I'm like, I have to put something together for you that is exactly how you want. Um, and that's just the way things work. So, um, everyone has the same onboarding process. Everyone has the same time frame for when they start up everything. And when I was younger, like I said, I wish I would have had some better boundaries with that stuff. I think I would have alleviated a lot of, uh, like backend things like biting off more than I can chew and then not being able to follow up. Yeah. Yeah, Promises you can't keep or promises that to keep them, you're going to keep them, but it's going to kill you. Like something's going to give on the other side. You're not going to get enough or you're going to fall through the cracks. Yeah else something a relationship's gonna suffer in your personal life what for sure yeah i think we've all had those things happen unfortunately what do you um when you so when you say that the setting of the boundaries and Mm -hmm. and being really consistent with everybody up front uh definitely important for your own i mean for them for equal opportunity but like equally important for your own sustainability and the long game right because you're running a marathon with your business not a sprint so it's it uh i think that's such a thank you for sharing that i think that's such a great reminder i'm not a very like admin process driven type of human in fact like if i ever get to the point where i can hire someone that'll be to do that um but I will say this, every single person, like every session's tracked, um, every single like invoice is tracked. I have mm-hmm. a digital waiver that I have every single person sign. Um, just because they're a buddy of mine, like I've had guys that are you know friends of mine for 15 years, I'm not gonna be like, yeah, man, dude, let's just I'll put a program in for you. No, like you follow the rules like everyone else. Yeah. Yep. Um and in the it. past, like old Nate would have been like, Hey, just yeah, man, throw me some cash and I'll make it work out for you. But it's like, no, this yeah. is important. I'm a professional, this is my business. Again, I can control the culture. Yep. And I, I don't think if you, I've said that a million times, that's one thing that's always stood out to me is like in, the, in places that I worked before, specifically in fitness, it's like, like, I just would shake my head, like mm-hmm. at what gyms were doing and the onus they put on certain things versus like the client. Yeah. I mean, I worked at a gym before that they were telling people to lose 20 pounds in 30 days. And then the first thing they told the person not to do is, oh, you don't want to work out for the first two weeks. I'm like, we're in a gym. You're telling someone not to work out. <laughs> what's going on here so like again what their approach was i think i know <laughs> it's, it's awful but... yeah literally yeah. horrible <laughs> but yeah control the culture and everything i do is balanced um i look at every every single result from every client not just one as like a seven a day seven to ten day like span yeah so we everything i do is, is it's not just only sustainable for myself but like for the people that are trying to do what i do and live like yeah. the kind of life that i i'm proud of i so, love yeah. that I love that. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Sustainability uh, Professional Coach, if people want to find you and reach out, how do, how, well, A, are you taking more clients right now? Always. Um, Okay. Okay. And how do they find you? How do they, or maybe they just want to check you out. Where should they go? So you can go on uh, Instagram. You can either go on my uh, personal profile, which is at Nate Scop. Um, or you can go on my business profile, which is at fuel underscore inspired. Okay. Um, 
there's a link tree at the top of both of my uh, profiles that if people are interested in training or um, they're interested in checking out my website, which I built, by the way, with zero website uh, experience, which I'm nice. needs a little work, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, and then there's another one for like uh, a company that I work with in regards to like supplements and things like that. I don't do any pyramid scheme things. Don't worry. I'm not going to try to sell any snake oil or I'm not a biohacker. You're going to say, Hey, I I trust this brand. They're good. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I will only uh, back anything that again, kind of like my own personal moral code, like anything I ever do with any client, like prove it to me. Like I will only do supplements that are tested. I will only do things that are pretty much for the most part. Like if you look at a label, like 80% of the ingredients, you understand what they are. Right. But like, again, it's everything that I do in my life. I'm very simple. It's like, Clients got to prove it to me. Food's got to prove it to me. My dogs don't, though. They they run my <laughs> life. So it's a little bit different with those little guys. You got to have a soft spot somewhere. Got to have a soft yeah. yeah. We got a little one, a little tiny one. Well, thank you so much. We will put all of yeah. your links in the show notes so people can Thanks. easily find you. Um, thank you so much for making time for us today. And yeah, it was a great conversation. Was, uh, I enjoyed getting I was, to it. Uh, I was looking forward to it. Yeah. No, I, honestly, I like uh, every time we've we've connected and, and, and chatted, it's always been a good conversation. And, you know, you're good to my sister, too. So I, I appreciate that. So, you know, Mary whatever you need. Everyone, if you have not picked up on that, Mary yeah, Scott, our yeah. producer and the director of all things amazing over at uh, the Collect Transcend Leadership Collective. She's pretty, we are mutually, mutual admiration society for Mary. So I think, yeah, I think Nate Not hard to do. Yeah. She's got problem. better hair than me, but not by much. So it is what it is. <laughs> Mary might catch you soon. She's on your heels. Uh, she's up there. Yeah, she's looking pretty. It's got a. She's got a nice flow. Yeah, the flow's happening. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. And until next time, go manage like a leader. Thanks for being part of this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. If one-to-one coaching, engaging workshops, or strategic planning that is actually useful are anything that interests you, make sure to head over to www.transcendleadershipcollective.com to check out our free resources. Confessions of a Terrible Leader is hosted by Lacey Nelson and produced by Mary Scott. Music is by Leif Olson and Mary Scott from the band The Number of Months. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And until next time, go manage like a leader.